passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Post Wrestling's Elimination Chamber Post Show. I'm John Pollock with Wei Ting for the next hour or so as we go through the February pay-per-view. Can't even say the penultimate show before WrestleMania. It's the show before the show before the two-night WrestleMania. Elimination Chamber tonight from the Thunderdome. How are you tonight, Wei? I'm doing pretty good, John. Yourself? I'm doing swell. It's 9.45 p.m., so I'm doing fantastic. Oh, way under what I thought. I thought it'd be like... No, you said 9.50. You were pretty damn close. What did I? Yeah, you said 9.50. You thought the show would end, which, I mean, this thing was done at 9.30. It was... I was glad they didn't feel the need to clog anything. Like, this was a show that you did not need excess uh, ring time. Like, you had your two chamber matches. You had several key angles to shoot, and they did opt to put a replacement in for the U.S. title match, but nothing involving Asuka on the show, nor did this show need it. I thought that they were very economical with what they had, and it was, in that way, an easy-to-watch show, I would say, overall, just given the fact that it was several matches and they didn't overwhelm you with uh, quantity. I thought the quality was kept pretty strong in ring throughout the evening. And I found my energy level like really high by the time they got to the main event at like 8.40. So I, I really always, I, everything feels better. Everything comes across better when my energy level's up. Yeah, it, it's definitely something when your show is ending, when 24 hours later we'll be saying we are halfway through Raw. Oh my God. Yeah, I don't really realize that. So maybe maybe not so much against uh, three-hour Raws. Maybe they could just start Raws at like 7 o'clock. That'd be wonderful. Ooh, 4 o'clock for the East Coast. Would you actually prefer that? Or West Coast. Uh, no, that would actually be terrible for me. It would actually be absolutely <laughs> terrible at 7 o'clock. But hey, uh, we have lots to discuss. We're going to be also taking phone calls. So thank you to everyone joining us live in the Zoom room. We are live well, you, we used to just be live after pay-per-views, but we're live after Raw, we're live after Dynamite, live after SmackDown. We're always live. Yeah, yeah for uh, all double-double patrons, double-double ice cap or espresso patrons, they have access to pretty much live shows after Raw, SmackDown, Dynamite, and pay-per-views. Uh, but if you're just a regular patron at our One Milk, One Sugar tier, and we thank you all for uh, supporting us at any tier, you have access to Friday's Rewind of SmackDown. So, yeah, uh, thank you to all the Double Double Plus patrons joining us tonight. Yes, and we will have uh, lots of cool stuff in the lead-up to uh, WrestleMania for a post-wrestling cafe member, so stay tuned for that. Let's jump into the pay-per-view. The kickoff show featured Charlie Caruso, Booker T, JBL, and Peter Rosenberg, and Cesaro was interviewed backstage, and he said that winning the Elimination Chamber and the Universal title tonight would taste like the perfect shot of espresso. Just so sweet. Just like some of those 
members of the Post Wrestling Cafe. So Cesaro knows where it's at. Well, really, he is the originator of the coffee gimmick in wrestling. So I think we have to really credit him for bringing it first. Um, it's a fun gimmick. You know, it's it's what he used to have in ROH. I can tell you it didn't sound that great here. I didn't think this was a very strong promo at all, uh, even though the coffee might have been strong. Just but, so st- sweet? No? Yeah, I didn't think this was that good. You know, I, I, I think I appreciate the fact that he's being taken seriously now. He's still, to me, trying to find that baby face voice. I just didn't think this was it. And certainly, you know, it didn't really help ha- having Rosenberg call him out, criticizing him for this kind of a shitty promo uh, afterwards, too. But Rosenberg wasn't really wrong. Well, they officially announced Keith Lee is out of the United States title match. The storyline that they are presenting is uh, from the attack by Bobby Lashley two weeks ago. So instead, there will be a four-way on the kickoff show with Ricochet, Mustafa Ali, John Morrison, and Elias to determine who will replace Keith Lee in the triple threat match that is still on. MVP was interviewed comparing Bobby Lashley to Godzilla, stating you're going to need to contact FEMA to deal with his destruction tonight. And then Billy Kay tried to present her resume to MVP. He showed no interest and said that her voice hurts his ears and will not be in touch. So this was not like your usual job interview where they just they lie to your face and state, yeah, we'll, we'll be in touch. Thanks a lot for coming. This was we have no interest in you at all. So doing her a favor here. He's right a to the chase. That's it. Yeah. Sonya Deville was on the panel, uh, didn't add a whole lot. The Street Profits interrupted, and she was pissed off that they were asking for a title shot here on the live panel. Trying to do this? Embarrass me on the kickoff show? How dare you? The four-way. It seems like like Sonya might, you know, punish them somehow. Yeah, it looks like it is the Street Profits that are uh, fighting for this rematch, and Sonya Deville maybe will throw some obstacles their way until they... Mm. I, I guess you can appreciate the fact that they're not just throwing the Street Profits right back into a match, and we do this endless loop of matches. They're trying to actually build it up so that the rematch means something, that they have to overcome something before they can get it. Jump they'll probably, with. You know, they'll probably get a big win at WrestleMania, but you know, in the lead-up to it, they need some sort of struggle, right? Yeah, they have to go through that huge tag division that SmackDown has built up. All those all those big tag teams they have, their top 15 teams, they'll have to go through one by one. So the four-way match, uh, uh, Retribution was out. Uh, T-Bar, Mace, and Slapjack were there. No reckoning. Uh, also absent were Jackson Riker, and Morrison was out solo. So uh, fine match for, like, kickoff standards. I thought Ricochet got to remind you that, yeah, this guy's – Great. And you got to see it for about seven minutes. And the story of the match was that Retribution would save Ali at every turn and no one uh, could get a cover on Ali. But then in the end, it backfired on them because they took Ricochet out after he went for a dive, threw him into the post. And as they're marveling over their handiwork, they left Ali unprotected. And John Morrison capitalized, rolling up Ali for the win and thus, the most consistent storyline in WWE, Retribution looked like idiots. Uh, it's sort of the gimmick at this point, isn't it? I thought this was a decent sort of Raw-level four-way opening match. And- I, th- I think this actually would have been better on Raw. They would have got more time for this. This was like almost a condensed version of a Raw match of it. But, I mean, it was fine. I'm not going to go Marginally better. I mean, 
you know, it did spotlight Ricochet as sort of like your lone baby face here fighting off the heels, but I really can't say Ali nor really anybody else looked all that strong coming out of it. It just seemed like it was a way to get Morrison into the match. It's like, we, we need a warm body because we have this larger plan for Bobby Lashley and we need a body in there. So uh, then we just go into the opening for the pay-per-view. This pay-per-view open was great. I thought this was a really well done video just going past. Um, the, the the extent of the history of the Elimination Chamber is now like the last uh, couple of years since they've had this new structure. We don't go, we don't go beyond that period. So it's like a, a three-year history. Opened with the SmackDown Chamber match. Daniel Bryan, Cesaro, Kevin Owens, Jey Uso, King Corbin, and Sami Zayn, the winner, to challenge Roman Reigns later on in the show. Zayn came out with his documentary crew, which was ejected by referee Jessica Carr. And then Sami Zayn, this was great. Like, you had him, uh, you could hear him throughout in the pod, and especially the interplay between him and Kevin Owens was, was great stuff. He was really funny all throughout the match. I thought everybody kind of brought, you know, an element of something, and Zane certainly was uh, his comedic personality. So Cesaro and Daniel Bryan started the match, and Bryan is early on selling his knee after hitting a Frankensteiner, and this would be consistent throughout the whole match of him working with an injured knee. And at one point goes for an armbar, and you can see him trying to get Cesaro's thumb up into the air. I mean, a man that is after your attention to detail. The third entrant is King Corbin, who they they limited to like spurts here. And I thought it was like a good handling of Corbin just in and out. Like you can utilize this guy very well when he's kind of hidden in these six person matches and just in and out with big spots. And he was not any kind of negative to this match, I thought. And yeah, went after the knee of Brian early on. I thought he was very effective as like the big man heel in this match yep um and yeah like did not overstay his welcome at all and i thought had a very strong presence as a result Sami Zayn is the fourth entrant and he doesn't want to leave the door uh so it's closed however the back door is open so he ends up uh brian ends up uh trying to open it and anyway Zayn is mocking corbin from the closed side as Cesaro walks into the back and just goes after Zayn. So that is his entry into the match. And it led to Cesaro and Zayn eventually fighting on top of the pod. And then they scaled the fence. Cesaro knocked him off. And then the dude starts doing pull-ups on the chamber. It was a, like, really good babyface spot for Cesaro. Yes. Um, I thought it would have been more poetic if he had done these uh pull-ups inside of the pod and his head literally could have broken the glass ceiling. Ooh. No, not tonight. Apropos of his push. No, not accurate for tonight. And then he went back to Corbin with the giant swing into the sharpshooter and Corbin taps out for the first elimination. Mm -hmm. Kevin Owens was in fifth. Uh, Him and and Zayn went at it for quite a while here. He landed a super kick on Zayn and then cannonballs to everyone and we saw a plethora of finishers. All four are down. And then Jay Uso is in. Now, I kept track of this way. The entrance into this match, like the intervals were like all over the place. The The first two entrants, like number three and number four, were about five minutes. In between Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens, it was like eight minutes in between entrance. It was just all over the place. Kind of weird. Maybe somebody went long with something. But three I minutes long, that's, that's, that's crazy. 
And then they were just uh, like lightning quick in the Raw match. So mm-hmm. it was uh, yes, the Raw was, match definitely didn't feel like what. What are the intervals supposed to be? Every five. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. The Raw match were, certainly didn't feel like that. Okay. Well, all the entrance and it, it took twenty three minutes for all the SmackDown entrance to get in. Sixteen minutes in the Raw match. Yeah. So they were they were shaving time, and I wasn't complaining about that for the Raw match, to be quite honest. Uh, Jay Uso is in last, and Owens attacks him. Tosses him into the pod, and then Owens climbs onto the pod and hits a moonsault onto all four men. He's throwing out stunners, including one to Sami Zayn, who is the next elimination. And with that, Jay shuts the chamber door onto Owens' arm and hits him with multiple super kicks and then the splash to get rid of Kevin Owens. Uh, what did you think? Because his story has been the guy that will not stay down. Uh, was this an adequate enough way to get rid of Kevin Owens? I thought it was great. I thought it was a really creative, unique way of using the chamber door, which um, I guess for this new design sort of has like a glass or like a shower door, sliding door type of thing attached to it and using it to pin Owens's arm, allowing Jay to, you know, hit repeated super kicks to him. I thought was a very creative and adequate way of eliminating Owens from this match. And of course, breaks you off into Owens and Jey Uso again. You know, it was one little detail. I wish that they did do and i think it was the the different arm so it wouldn't have been exactly uh work for this angle but owens like burned his arm on that lamp last month at the rumble and that was like a spot that they had mentioned i think on television the fact that he had burned his arm and that could have just been a little added detail of why this arm is already uh less than optimum but this was their way to get thing and i i think honestly they wanted to really heat up jay in this match, uh, probably for, you know, him and Reigns being key heels in the next uh, two months leading up to WrestleMania. If they tease that Edge and Christian match with Reigns and Uso, you really have to heat up Jay. And maybe that was some of the thinking in this. Um, so we're down to Brian Cesaro. What do you see for Owens after? I don't know where Owens is slotted. Like he does kind of feel like the guy who had his, had his run in the main event program. And now it's, figuring out something else for him. Like it feels like the Reigns program is over after tonight. Uh, maybe Jay, maybe he gets some match with Jay on TV, but I, I don't know where mania leads for him. So Cesaro catches Uso with a flying uppercut, swings him into the fence multiple times. And then Jay is uh, just selling while Brian and Cesaro just have this great, like three minutes together, including a one legged swing onto the bad knee of Brian, uh, which gets stopped by a J super kick and then hits the splash, eliminating Cesaro. So it seemed that a uh, red herring Cesaro over the past month uh, was, you know, as we said, you could have done this exact story with either Brian or Cesaro, but Brian was very much not promoted at all like this. And they ended up going with him, which I can imagine if they, they flipped the roles, given how Brian was going to lose to Reigns, I think that you would have, I don't know which the the better call would have been, but they ended up going with Brian instead. I definitely bought into like the past month's build for Cesaro, and I was pretty surprised that he didn't make it all the way to the end here. Um, I was slightly disappointed because I thought, you know, despite him obviously having to lose to Reigns after this, I still think him winning the chamber 
And then losing after like a half hour, 40 minute performance to Reigns would have done a whole lot more for him than simply being eliminated to like what second, third, last here in the chamber and ultimately kind of being forgotten about. And clean um, too. It wasn't like he was, you know, even Owens has a bit of a gripe on his like something to come back with in a promo. But Cesaro was beaten fair and square here. And he was the guy that beat Brian on TV. And you don't really have an avenue for Cesaro to come back with. Like we were talking about, you know, an idea of Cesaro, use him at fast lane. Like unless you do some big angle on TV, there's, I don't know. It just didn't seem like Cesaro came out of this with any, any path for something significant. I wonder if it was at least under consideration that you do give this spot to Cesaro. Um, but, you know, the the way they laid everything out, it seemed like they're going to immediately move to Reigns versus Edge, uh, starting with the story, probably, you know, uh, probably a significant match, maybe involving something to do with Edge, even at Fastlane. So maybe that meant no room for Cesaro. And therefore, why have him, you know, lose essentially in seconds to Reigns? And then Uso followed with a splash, got a near fall on Brian. Then he tried one off the pod. Brian got his knees up, landed the Busaiku knee, and pinned Jay Uso. 34 minutes and 9 seconds. I thought this was a pretty great chamber match. This was my match of the show. I thought that they... I, I thought everyone involved, Corbin included, everyone was used to their strength. Uh, Cesaro and Brian were kind of the glue from start to finish. I really liked the Owen-Zane involvement in the middle. You got some comedy with Zane. Uh, Owens, to me, it was a clever elimination. And you also put some heat on Jay Uso, which, I mean, of the of the six here, well, maybe with the exception of Corbin, was your weakest link in terms of just a b- believable winner. But I think he still got something with the elimination of Cesaro and is probably going to be primed to be attached at the hip of Reigns for the next two months leading into uh, the Edge program. So I, I like this match quite a lot. I agree with all your points. This was also my match of the night. Uh, you know, I, I am disappointed they didn't use the opportunity to at least, get, you know, elevate Cesaro. But I have a feeling like, you know, despite the fact that he didn't win this match, I, I have a feeling he is still going to be one of their guys getting to Mania. I mean, he's scheduled, you know, it looks like for a program with Rollins, which is a pretty elevated program for him to be in. So I imagine whatever push he's got will continue beyond this. Um, I thought everybody else looked great. Jey Uso just looked vicious as a heel throughout the entire match. Big spots for Owens in there with the moonsault. I really love the creativity of his el- elimination with Jey Uso. And Sami Zayn continues to like show a great deal of personality in this match. So really like this chamber match a lot. Are they going to feud over coffee? Who? Cesaro and Rollins. Oh, because one owns the coffee shop and the other loves espresso. You know what? Um, you, you should have a whole wrestling league over coffee. All right, there you go. The cafe showdown between Cesaro and Rollins. Will the cream rise to the top? That's going to be the question of Cesaro during this program. Or milk? Uh, Whatever your preference, yes. We know milk is superior, but I don't know if that's a mainstream view. So Brian is dead. He was just selling the exhaustion of this lengthy match, and out comes Roman Reigns, and we're going right into the match. And, man, this is I always get one of these, one per show. If they had a crowd, they would have gone insane for this first spot where Reigns goes for the spear and it's countered into the yes lock. 
This was mm-hmm. awesome. It looked great. Yeah. Unfortunately, it was only this dash this is awesome dot mp3 that we got uh, from the crowd. It was just the effect, a very the effect was there, and I think like the, the the most they could hope for with somebody like Brian, who is really I would say pretty cold heading into this uh, chamber match, is to at least get you to buy for a split second that he might have a chance. And I thought the sudden the great execution of this reversal of the spear into the yes lock. Uh, achieve that a little bit for me, which I think is as much as you could hope for. It, it's very hard when you don't have the actual crowd, but I, I would argue, Wade, like, he was too cold going into this. I thought that, like, and maybe you didn't need, it, like, for given what the payoff to this was, a 90-second match, I just think that with Brian, it was, if this was always the idea, I think that they almost got too clever trying to outsmart you with Cesaro being the one front and center and Brian just losing constantly on tv that i think it was um more telegraphed than cesaro that i think you would have had people much more invested in even these 90 seconds if that's what you did but um you know the story was there coming off the rumble like he yeah the story was him like never having won the rumble but i think you could have easily pivoted to like him saying i've never won an elimination chamber either but they didn't do that at least well i'm saying they could have if they wanted to keep brian hot yeah. And and they, they didn't. Um, but, you know, who knows what when this decision might have been made. Maybe it was Cesaro all along until tonight. Well, uh, Reigns breaks out of the S-lock and annihilates him with ground and pound before applying the guillotine and the match is waved off. 92 seconds, Roman Reigns retains the championship. Uh, not really a match, more so just, you know, heating up Roman Reigns, winning in cowardly fashion over Daniel Bryan. Uh, does this at least give you an out that Daniel Bryan can that you could do a rematch on TV uh, between these two, or do you feel that yeah, this was? Yeah, sure. They could do rematches just... with with anybody. I mean, you know, it depends whether or not they want to have like a Roman Reigns title match on TV. But um, sure, you could justify anything. I guess the question is fast lane. Like, there's several options. You could. You, I think the one that would be really. Most intriguing would be the Edge and Christian versus Roman and Jey Uso tag match. I think that would be something, you know, significant for a B show right before Mania. You could also go and do Reigns against Brian. You could do Cesaro wins a number one contenders thing and he challenges him quickly. Um, There's different things you could do, but I think the tag match would be the most interesting to people. I think there are a lot no of one's, options. No one's buying a title change three weeks before Mania. You've got your match set. Why even waste your next month when you should be focusing on Reigns and Edge? That might be the route I might go, just because you want to tell the bigger story with Edge and Roman Reigns at this point um, and move everybody else to their programs. Why muddle it for four weeks by teasing another challenger in there? So we'll see if that is where they go. But Reigns retains. And then, as he's posing with the title, Edge appears, spears Reigns, and then the universal sign, this is like the digital signature pointed to the sign. And thus the match is confirmed, Edge and Reigns at WrestleMania. And then Edge whispered into Reigns' ear. What did he say? I don't know. I hope we get all of this dialogue at some point. I hope this is uh, this is some big uh, WWE Network special where we get all the dialogue back and forth. Uh, I just thought excellent stuff, you know, for this entire first 40 minutes of the show. Uh, Very entertaining match. I think, you know, a pretty surprising ending and a great payoff at the end that gave you a big decision, you know, of edges to kick the show off. Bad Bunny was backstage 
fresh off his SNL appearance where he did, in fact, get the 24-7 title onto SNL. This guy is like their dream, I bet. You know, like they, they couldn't have asked for a bigger celebrity who happens to love this TV show uh, to represent them. Um, certainly the most, well, I, I mean, I'm not going to say the most publicity the 24-7 title's ever gotten, but um, it's been everywhere, this belt at this point. Yes, it, it has been. I, I don't know what the conversion rate will be of people that uh, watched SNL that are suddenly, hey, that's a belt. Bad oh, bunny. God, it's nothing to do with that. It's it's all about them being able to show clips on their own TV show to brag about. Hey, and they got it. So, hey, we got acknowledgement on in the real world. Acknowledge us. So he's hanging out with Sonia. The Miz approaches him and asks, what are you doing here? And Bad Bunny says, what are you doing here? And clearly this guy not paying attention to much on Raw when Miz had guys got the briefcase. Tonight would be a pivotal night to have the briefcase and would get the last laugh. So Bad Bunny mocked him and slapped the Miz when Miz went to jump him and Damian Priest, like like nothing, just appeared out of thin air. And there he was to block uh, the Miz. And the Miz stood down and walked off. And he's just always lurking. Yeah. Bobby Lashley, Riddle, and John Morrison for the United States title. MVP was out with Lashley with a crutch. And Lashley... Just destroys Morrison. Then he destroys Riddle. And that was essentially the story here. Riddle and Morrison had to finally team up because (laughs) we can't beat this guy alone. And then as they're having some success, Morrison shoves Riddle into the post and tries to pin him. He's unsuccessful. Miz makes his return, including a bridging German. When Lashley returns to the match, Riddle catches him with the final flash and floating bro, but Morrison breaks up the cover, hits Starship Pain, and MVP laughs at Morrison. Do you think that's going to beat Lashley? And they argue on the floor. Morrison grabs the crutch to swing at Lashley, and it's caught. Uh, He's caught in the hurt lock. Riddle gets the crutch and uses it on Lashley, which they explain in a three-way, no disqualifications. And then with Lashley out selling the crutch, Riddle hits the bro Derek and pins Morrison in eight minutes and 39 seconds. So way you called this one verbatim. I didn't know he was going to use Lashley's or MVP's crutch to win, but I mean that they booked Riddle like shit this entire month. And I suppose the justification was that he was going to beat Lashley at the end of it all. So um... yeah, if, if this constitutes beating <laughs> Lashley, yes, by uh, beating the, uh, the replacement, but you know, like 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 maybe we've talked about in the in the month leading up to this, Lashley is the only project you should really care about here. You know how good does he look coming out of this? They did have a bit of a predicament in that he held this U.S. title. Uh, I guess they don't want to do champion versus champion or anything like that, so they had to have him drop the belt in a way that still made him look like a monster and did not cool him off at all. And I thought they did that. I thought Lashley did a great job, looking like this was basically like two men locked in a cage with a bear trying to survive and man it was really entertaining watching lashley just tear these two apart um i thought i loved the the idea of getting riddle and morrison to work together until morrison of course being a heel turn on him and then i think even the way they got to like the crutch being used was pretty clever in that like riddle still as we (laughs) oh man (laughs) this is actually not like riddle has cheated before and i hated that this time it was at least Morrison introducing the element of the crutch himself first before Riddle 
seeing the opportunity used it on Lashley to get the belt off of him. Um, I thought it was, you know, pretty well executed, well laid out, and I thought it was entertaining overall. So now Riddle is the uh, the U.S. champion. Let the uh, let the comedy ensue. Man, like that belt, despite it being on Lashley, I mean, I don't think that belt's been elevated at all. It's still just sort of a meaningless title, and I can't really tell you, like, how I'm still supposed to be cheering for Riddle at this point as a baby face. I think it's, it's been a really bad baby face push for him. They should anyway, it, it it also would have been a really different style of match had Keith Lee stayed in, you know, like they wouldn't have been able to tell like the two on one story that they did with, with Lashley. Um, So I, I thought Morrison actually was a great addition to this. Kayla Braxton interviewed Sasha Banks and Bianca Belair when Reginald walked in, complimented both, and Belair hinted maybe she will make her decision tonight. She didn't. So Nia and Shayna versus Banks and Belair. Early on, they double-teamed Jax, and then Baszler came in and attacked Belair's, uh, went for the armbar. Champions got the advantage on Banks for several minutes, including Baszler stomping the elbow, and Banks was able to make the tag. Belair avoided the Kirafuda clutch, and they set up a frog splash from Banks for a two count. And then Belair hit the KOD onto Baszler when Jax pulled her to the floor, and she tagged herself in. Jax was able to hit the Samoan drop, but Banks made the blind tag to hit the Meteora. And then Reginald comes down with the champagne bottle and rolls it into the ring. This is after Banks has applied the bank statement, but Jax gets to the rope. Reginald rolls the bottle to Banks, who doesn't want to use the bottle. And then the referee turns around and sees Sasha holding the champagne bottle. And this gives Nia Jax the opening to hit the Samoan drop and pin Sasha Banks in 937. So by the end of this, you're not pushed in any direction to have any desire to or any more desire, I should say, to see Banks and Bel Air. The match you are pushed in the direction of wanting to see is Sasha get revenge on Reginald. Yeah. I don't have any idea why this match was even made, to be quite honest. I I think they probably did it because first of all, Sasha and Belair are higher profile names. Um they wanted them to have some presence in the lead up to WrestleMania because they'll be two of the featured people going to WrestleMania, I think. I think the end result was that this was probably a better match than anybody else they had in waiting. Certainly more than like, who are the other options here? Well, they Lana. did Naomi and Lana. They set them up on Raw. Like, that wouldn't be a very good match. Um, what is it? Riot Squad. Like, they're not ready. Neither are Tamina and Natalia. So it was a really shitty way that they got to this match in the first place with Reginald being the one to pin Naya and then somehow resulting in this. It just felt like it was a last minute kind of sloppy decision. Um, but I thought the match itself was was pretty good. Like Bel Air continues to just, I think, click with every appearance she's had lately. I think she's at the point where she's outshining Sasha Banks, which I think bodes really well for the story that they're telling leading up to Mania. Uh, the timing is really right for her and her performances have just been absolutely stellar it was like a fast pace fun match Shayna, i thought was good in this i even thought nia played her role role pretty well the finish was just so incredibly lame but man it just like you book this match i guess you know for a good match on paper for the pay-per-view but then you just have to come up with like the stupidest ideas to keep the belt on nia and Shayna while breaking off into this reginald thing to i guess take up time before you fully commit to you know bianca versus sasha 
in the build-up to WrestleMania. It's just a strange thought process seeing these two matches back-to-back where you understand the thinking about, like, Lashley that, okay, we don't want to pin him because that could be damaging to him. So we have to come up with this unique way to get the title off him without pinning him. Fair enough. But then in this match, it's it's almost the same thing where we have to come up with this ridiculous way so that Sasha can be pinned, but not have it seem like it's she's really being beaten. And it just seems like it's just overthinking things at certain times that we have to get our way out of this one to such a degree that this had to be make, made on two days notice. I just I didn't find myself pushed anywhere more to see Sasha and Bel Air. And all I came out of this was, okay, well, we we pinned Sasha and we'll continue with this Reginald stuff. So I could have done without the finish. It was just back-to-back. I, fa- I found them to just be finishes that were just not... Uh, one, I understood. The second just seemed to be completely excessive. It was a tough predicament. I mean, they, they had to keep the belts, I guess, on Shayna and Nia. And, you know, of the two, Sasha or Bianca... It feels like Bianca needs more protecting than Sasha. And this is just them kind of like, you know, working out to like this this kind of dead end that they had to have somebody lose. And it turned out it was Sasha that they probably thought could afford it the most. Well, um, also what was like a strange uh, bit of uh, setup here. So there's there's no reference to Asuka on the show itself. But on the panel, like they recap the pregnancy which <laughs> they recapped the pregnancy announcement and Booker T noted that his father was 59 years old when he had him. So don't think that Ric Flair can't have a child at his advanced age. But then they also noted on the panel, they were asking who's going to step up to challenge Oscar in Lacey's place. I guess they didn't mean tonight. I, well, I don't know. The match was set for tonight. So, I don't know. Does Oscar just have this outstanding title defense she has to make? Just seemed like a bit of miscommunication on the broadcast where they didn't know what was happening. So no Oscar match on the show and no Oscar period. And then, uh, so on the show, they also announced that, of course, WrestleMania will be exclusive on Peacock. But then when they promoted Fastlane, they advertised that it will be available on both Peacock and the WWE Network. And I have I have asked WWE for clarification here, but my understanding is that this was a message for U.S. viewers that it's exclusive. Uh, WrestleMania is exclusive on Peacock, but it sounds like Fastlane for the first month they'll put it on both. That's how I took it. Seems like it would make sense to overlap, you know, your existing fan base for at least a month to make sure that they have enough time to you know get word to switch over their accounts. Uh, it's going to be some really kind of complicated messaging, especially if you're outside of the U.S. Like if you're in Canada, I think most people don't even know if they get Peacock or not. Um, if And we don't. Um, yeah, and no one outside the U.S. has to worry. It's the exact same function on the network. Yeah. But, you know, trying to like convey to your biggest fan base in the U.S. that you have to switch over. Or at least you're automatically switched over, but you have to go to this brand new website to get this show while at the same time telling everybody outside of the U.S. that they don't have to do that is is going to be a, a bit of a hurdle. But I think by the time WrestleMania comes, like if you want to launch it, I assume most people will be savvy enough to figure it out. Well, they had said, though, like the 
the migration process was going to occur immediately, like several days before, because isn't the the official um, launch like March 18th? And if they're doing this, I wonder if there's uh, any reservation about this migration process not being seamless. Like if if it's just like that, you're just moving everyone over to Peacock. I mean, that sounds a lot easier said than done. I don't know what the they haven't explained how that's going to work. But the fact they're doing this, maybe there is the thought like if there are any issues with that transition that people are covered and they're not going to miss this show. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I definitely look, uh, look to people's feedback, how this goes off uh, next month, because we won't have to go through this, but many of our listeners will final match of the night, or I should say second last match of the night is the raw elimination chamber match with drew McIntyre, AJ styles, Randy Orton, Kofi Kingston, Sheamus, and Jeff Hardy beginning with Hardy and Orton, um, who fought, for four and a half minutes, and then Drew McIntyre entered. I didn't have much to talk about this. Just not much, just, dude. It was it's just very boring Orton, Orton wrestling. Yeah. I, I would say until this got to like the you know tw- like the last three entrants or so. Like I, I thought this was like a very by the numbers match. It was not anything spectacular. It was not really creative stuff. It was just like ma- a match. Especially after you you already saw such a great chamber. Prior to this, this had a lot to live up to in the same night. And I would say Orton's style really didn't kind of lend itself to to much here. Drew McIntyre was in third. So they were going to do the deal where he would have to go really long in the match. Kofi Kingston was fourth and immediately goes after Orton. And in this exchange, cradles him for a very surprising finish. Orton was out of here after nine minutes and then hit Kingston and Hardy with RKOs on the way out. No fiend. Nothing, not nothing with the fiend, which um, looks like they will. I mean, they're going to get back to that, but it seems that it's uh, they they have been very careful. Like this was the case of the rumble, and it was the case this month. The fiend is like banned from uh, these pay per views. I guess we're, maybe you save it for Peacock. You know, big yeah, sure. The fiend <laughs> is uh, you know, he's ready for fast lane. Um, so with that. Kingston and Hardy are out from the RKOs. AJ's in his pod. He demands that Almas break his plexiglass off the pod so that he can escape and enter the match earlier than he needs to. This is after this man was in a gauntlet on Monday fighting for... <laughs> like a half hour to try and be last in this thing and he wants to he wants to cheat and enter the match earlier the logic was supposed to be him wanting to pin you know both opponents off of the RKOs because he saw the opportunity but nonetheless I thought it was really stupid that the referee even counted because um like I understand like somebody may be breaking out of a chamber but like for a referee to basically kind of like you know, give a credibility by actually counting it that I thought made it look really dumb. Yeah, this was Adam Pierce comes down and he ejects Omos. And so after all that, like Kingston kicks out, Hardy kicks out. So Styles is left with, oh, I'm in this match way earlier than I need to be. And I'm going to have to do a lot more work. And Pierce, does he put Styles back in the pod? No, <laughs> he just gets rid of the guy on the floor. What was Omos going to do? Help the other guy break in early? What what threat was he at this point? Ages in the match. Well, he just doesn't want to let him watch. 
I was going to say this. At the end of this, what we did have was the plexiglass had been removed. So you had this opening. So I was watching this like, okay, if you want to do something, they have at least – there was a purpose for this, but really wasn't the case. Uh, Seamus is showing. He's like in a trance inside his pod waiting for the countdown clock. Uh, he is the last one in at about 16 minutes and just goes after Drew. Kingston would come off the top of the pod with a trust fall and then tries another one and gets caught by Sheamus and hit with the brogue kick. He is the second one out of the match. Hardy then hit McIntyre. So also no Ali, no retribution, nothing for Kofi's story. Oh, no, no. Kofi got in and out. He was fine. No retribution. Um like in all fact, these whole- Ollie was eating the pin on the kickoff show. <laughs> I it just I think goes to show you what they think of retribution and Ollie, and I'm just disappointed because it feels like I mean Ollie's entire story up until this point was him, was Kofi replacing him during that run up to Kofi Mania and going on to win you know first of all winning that or doing well in that gauntlet going on to to the chamber winning the chamber. And this was like I thought it was so clever that they put Kofi into the spot because it was would have been a great way for Ali to, you know, mirror it and get that revenge this time around. And nothing, no connection to that whatsoever. Wouldn't it have been like I almost I almost wonder like if it would it would have been something where you could have involved somehow Xavier Woods in that four way and it's something involving him with the finish. And that could have set up something. But, I mean, they obviously had no desire to go that direction. But you're right. Like, even if they go with Kingston and Ali, you had this cool thing where you could call back to two years ago and give you a reason to be interested in this match again. Whereas, if they put this together now, like, maybe they've got a great idea. But if you're just relying on people's memory and you just whiffed on it here, like, I'm I'm not desiring to see this match at this point. It's... It's really incumbent now on coming up with a clever reason to do it. Um, this one just seemed like a really interesting way where you could have tied it all together, given that they have teased this feud significantly. So Kingston's gone. That's the last we hear of him. Hardy hits McIntyre with the twist of fate, then one on to AJ. He climbs onto the pod, but uh, AJ moves out of the way. So it's uh, Jeff Hardy with like a whisper in the wind onto Sheamus and McIntyre. Hardy then sends AJ down, hits the Swanton, but as he gets up, Drew immediately drills him with the Claymore and is eliminated by McIntyre. So we're down to McIntyre, AJ, and Sheamus. And this is when I thought the match picked up with these three because, I, like, the first 20 minutes or so of this match, like, it, it was very, I don't want to say dull, but, you know, like, a step or two above mm, dull. Nothing really stood out. At this point... With about 10 minutes left in the show, MVP Instagrams a photo with him talking to The Miz with his briefcase with the word business. There was actually a scene that they showed a bit earlier of the two of them talking. Oh, okay. I totally missed it. That must be a Well, it's a good thing he Instagrammed it. Well, there you go. I was more focused on his Instagram than I was the show. Styles hits a springboard 450 onto Drew for a two count. And then Sheamus attacks AJ. He like he hit a springboard somersault senton, and it, I guess like he might have lost his balance and hit a senton instead of that 450 splash, because he went back and did it again. So if he had to adjust on the fly to the balance, I mean that that was actually a pretty nice save, you know, hitting that senton. Yeah, I mean it was probably Drew who had to like eat the senton. Like, oh, sorry, I, mi- I missed. I'm gonna do this again. 
<laughs> so Seamus attacks AJ, sets up for the brogue kick, but Drew stops him with the Future Shock DDT, goes for the Claymore, but he's hit with the brogue kick, and then Styles stops Seamus with the phenomenal forearm, and it's AJ that pins Seamus. And I thought if there's one person that feels like they are just shit out of luck this year, it's been Seamus. It feels like this guy was primed for a title match with Drew. Goldberg comes in. He's primed for a match with Drew. We're doing the chamber match. He's primed for a match coming out of this. And we do everything that we're about to recap here. Like, it feels like Sheamus is just, he was just a distraction throughout this whole thing. Even though I feel they meaningfully were building this guy up. I just think he's odd man out in this whole buildup. Because I I don't see this match happening unless they do it on Raw. Yeah, other than, I I definitely think they should do it on Raw. Uh, Or maybe they save it for (laughs) Backlash or something. Like, he he has to wait even more. Um, But you're you're absolutely right. Why was he in this match? Why did you do the turn when you did the turn? You, oh, it it reeks of, like, poor timing, I have to say. You're right, they could have held off on it. Um, But I guess, you know, at some point, you run the risk of it being so long that nobody cares anymore. I will certainly say, like, it really does feel like when he turned, they were trying to peak for a one-on-one match between Sheamus and Drew. And I have to imagine somewhere in there, they decided to change course and have instead a raw elimination chamber with Sheamus and Drew on the inside. And with everything happening after this, I mean, unfortunately, it feels like the most Drew-Sheamus interaction we're going to get, at least on pay-per-view, will be this little interaction, which which definitely kind of sucks for him. But it's bad timing. It's the only thing that makes sense is that they had to have changed course because it would have made, I think, a far better story if they had gone into this match as the best friends and Drew was forced to have to beat his friend and Mm -hmm. just leave that. And that could be your post-mania program. I will say this. They did did protect Sheamus in the sense Drew didn't get his win back. So that's what it seems like. You know, that's why Styles pinned Sheamus. You don't have the Drew-Sheamus pinfall. You save that for later. So there's the argument that I think the best case scenario for Sheamus is that he squeaks in and gets the match at fast lane. But it, I, I think that's best case scenario. Styles then goes for the phenomenal forearm, but is hit in midair with a Claymore. Great finish. And Drew pins AJ 31 minutes and 20 seconds. Uh, not the caliber of the SmackDown Chamber match. And I would say if you're going back to watch this, the high point would have been the final I would say six, seven minutes where it was down to AJ, Sheamus, and Drew. Yeah, I definitely thought this was a slower one to start. Um, but Drew, I would say, continued to look pretty awesome. Good and decent work, I thought, with Sheamus once the two of them were in there. I thought they at least, you know, had some extra intensity to the match that, you know, told you that this was a long time built coming in, in their friendship. I hated the almost stuff. Uh, everybody else... You know, kind of played fine supporting acts, but of course the big talk is whatever is coming off out of this match. Yeah, so <laughs> the chamber is is lifted, so you didn't even have like Lashley just sneak into the chamber through the plexiglass. I thought at least you could have had that little uh, hmm. reason for the Omos thing, but instead that was not what happened here. Um, Drew is posing, and Lashley attacks him from behind. And just beats the hell out of him on the floor, throws him into the post, rams his head into the desk, and then applies the hurt lock. And with Drew down on the mat, out comes the Miz to cash in the Money in the Bank contract. He hits Drew with a DDT, 
McIntyre kicks out, so they gave him a kick out, and then Miz beat him with the skull-crushing finale in 27 seconds to end the show where Miz wins t- the title. And I I definitely thought that, okay, you're in this corner with the Miz. I do think that there is a logical way to set up several Mania matches from this where Miz ends up losing the title, whether I, I would, you could lose it back to Drew. I guess you could also have Lashley uh, is guaranteed a shot by helping here. And it's Bad Bunny that ends up fucking with the Miz with Damian Priest setting up their tag match, and then you get either Drew and Lashley at Mania, or, yeah, like I think that's the direction. You get those two matches out of it. Miz and Morrison against Damian Priest and Bad Bunny, and you uh, you link Drew McIntyre with Bad Bunny and Damian Priest for you know <laughs> your top babyface with your outside celebrity. What a combination on the babyface side. Well, I certainly see at the end of this whole thing, I don't see it being Miz and Drew as a main event at WrestleMania. Uh, it'll be Drew versus Lashley at some point. But I, I think that's uh, the know, Mania match. I thought that was yeah. fairly clear by the end of this. I don't think, though, you... I don't also discount the idea that they might do what they did at Wrestle Kingdom. You know, maybe have night one be Drew versus Miz and then having the winner go up against Lashley on night two. Some sort of combination like that they can always do. Um, I think, like most people... We were probably all quite surprised that they actually let Miz get the title off of this atrocious Money in the Bank run. But I thought the way they got there was logical. And I think within the bounds of the rules that they've set up for the Money in the Bank. And, you know, it's a heat-getting booking decision that'll certainly make a lot of people upset. But I think that's also the reaction that they exactly want. And it sets up a Drew McIntyre Mania Redemption story. Not just against Bobby Lashley now, but also against The Miz. Everyone can complain about The Miz, and and I don't even disagree. Like, if you don't like him in this spot, the fact is, Bad Bunny is among their their biggest um, attractions going into WrestleMania, and The Miz is one of the opponents that they have chosen. So that is that is their value that they have placed in The Miz. So The Miz is going to be in a prime spot for your big celebrity match at WrestleMania. So I think that this can at least serve that ability to set up your championship match for mania and the celebrity tag match. Um, I wouldn't go long with this Miz thing. And I guess the only question is, should it be that they, in order for Miz to win this, he had to promise that Lashley gets the next title shot. And do you do that at fast lane or do you do that on raw, something like that? And then it's drew and setting up drew. Then I guess maybe it's Drew chasing for the title into mania. Oh, for sure. It'll be him him chasing. Yeah, it's just, you know, it's his big baby face moment that he didn't really get in front of a crowd last year. Um, I I mean, you know, we have to remember they still have plenty of shows to fill and a number of main events to fill, uh, not just for Fastlane, but, you know, if it is a two-night WrestleMania and they decide to do any sort of long-term story, like two nights of WrestleMania to come. So they have to really kind of pace these things and throw in wrenches to delay these stories. I I'm open-minded to see what they do here with the Miz and Bad Bunny and Drew McIntyre. If if Bad Bunny did not get involved, do you think that we see this cash-in, successful cash-in tonight? If Bad Bunny's not involved in WWE, I'd, I'd go so far as to say no. It's a really interesting thought. Uh, and if, if that is the case, I mean, I'm sure like Miz would have a lot to be grateful for, for this guy. 
Um, overall, I thought this was like a pretty enjoyable show. I thought every match, you know, even though the booking wasn't great uh, in every single one of them, I thought the in-ring was pretty entertaining. Um, and some big results coming out of it that made the show worthwhile to watch. I really enjoyed the SmackDown Chamber match. Um, I'd go, I'd go thumbs in the middle. I, I'm not going to go thumbs up. I just I compare this to the show I watched last Sunday from the WWE, and it's just miles apart. But this was uh, it was a fine show. Um, I'd really recommend the the SmackDown Chamber match. So I think you got a a bit of a picture of of WrestleMania. You at least have one confirmed match, and I think the hint of some directions uh, to come. Would you classify that in terms of coming out of this show? Do you think like it has at least like the function of these shows are mainly to, you know, raise your interest level for, you know, WrestleMania programs. Like, do you think that's there? Because this has been a season that I think has lacked a lot of that. Like you are really scratching your head, wondering where a lot of these key people are going to end up on the card in two months. And I don't think that's a bad thing. You know, I think leaving us guessing, not knowing exactly what the card is going to be is a good thing. I want to I don't want to be able to tell everything from from the get go. Uh, Of course, you know, you have things like Edge and Reigns that obviously we can tell. But I think that program is in really good shape. And I'm interested to see like how Christian, if he does figure into it, how he figures into it. Um, You know, what do we what does it look like? Maybe Cesaro and Rollins looks to be one of the matches. Reigns and Fiend, perhaps, which um, Randy and depending. Randy and the Fiend, yeah. Depending on the type of um, uh, match, uh, you know, we'll we'll have a lot of people sitting on both sides of the fence. But the Drew story is far more interesting now than it was before. I I think you know Lashley was somebody that we were we were both considering to be a prime candidate, but not knowing exactly how they were going to get there, I did not expect them to kind of use the Miz in this way. So I I'm open minded to see like the story that they end up telling with all three. Maybe. Um... Maybe Edge had some inside information and he was, once he found out, he was ready to make his decision before the Raw Chamber match even took place tonight. I guess so. Yeah. Wasn't that the Maybe. whole thing? I want to wait till Chamber's over to look at my 13 different options. He wanted no part of this uh, Miz stuff. So clearly. It like he had uh, made up his mind already. Okay, let's uh, go to some feedback. We have both uh, the forum and we will be opening up the phone lines to get your thoughts on Elimination Chamber. Build up to WrestleMania, whatever you would like to discuss. Uh, let's go to the forum. So out of 10, what did you guys think of Elimination Chamber? You gave the show a 5.76. All right, let's start with Ross. While Miz wouldn't have been my choice, I, for one, am happy that the money in the bank actually means something again. Uh, Sure. Drew now having some obstacles to overcome on his way to winning the title back at Mania isn't the worst thing. And if you assume Lashley beats Miz, having Drew come in as the challenger actually makes for a more interesting story. Also, I know it fits with the Reigns character, but having Brian go 40 minutes in the chamber only to lose in a minute was some BS. Five 40-year-old WWE champions out of 10. Let's go to Hanzi on the phones. Hanzi, what's going on? Yo, what's going on, guys? Um, well, I first of all, I, I like this pay per view just for like the the two and a half hours that it was on, so that's already an A plus for me. But uh, the, I agree with you guys. Like the SmackDown one was awesome. Uh, I really, I really dug. Uh, I, I, mean, I was disappointed that you know, again, maybe that's like kind of the brilliance of WWE sometimes when they make you think that someone's gonna get pushed. But 
I probably think Cesaro is probably going to line up with with uh, Rollins probably, and with Daniel Bryan, I don't know. Like you know, again, I don't know with, with, with the way it ended. It feels like maybe they they again they don't even love doing the triple threat. So I I wouldn't be surprised if like they somehow found Daniel Bryan in this Edge and Roman thing. I'm not saying that it should be that because I know you guys don't really like triple threats, but I'm just saying that the way it ended. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised. And uh, as far as the main event goes, I thought uh, the Miz thing was awesome. And it ties back into what MVP said a couple months ago, that when uh, that when Lashley is going to lose a title, he's good, he goes that, like, you, you uh, I made two decisions, that you're going to win the title at WrestleMania last year, and then I'm going to be the one that ends your reign, basically. And I thought that was kind of a, a good uh, callback. And uh, I'm, I know Miz is not going to last long with the title, it's fine, but uh, I, as long as you get Lashley and Drew, I'm cool with that. You know what I mean? That's, you know what I mean? I'll, I'll leave you guys with that. I didn't want to take too much of your time. I know other calls are coming in, but I just wanted to just chime in quickly. So uh, good work as usual, guys. Thank you, Hansi. Thanks, Hansi. Uh, do you like the idea of, of throwing Brian in there as a triple threat? With Edge and Reigns? Um, not really. I think the that, story has been so personal already between Edge and Roman that they've set up that I, it's hard for me to see Brian having any sort of claim, you know. I uh, I don't really like Reigns even defending the title until Mania. I think that you have the match. Um, why why t- um, why take away from it? Like why spend four weeks trying to build up another challenger, and then you have three weeks before Mania? Like let's you've got. You've got seven weeks till Mania. Let's just build up for the match that people do. I think the majority want to see. Uh, everyone believes they're going to be seeing. So why why do a four week um, detour when I don't think people like you? You have not built up Brian to a level where I think that it's it doesn't enhance the match with his involvement. Um, and you have a great supporting character in Christian that can you know help you fill out those weeks and the and the and the way to WrestleMania. So I look forward to seeing how they use him. Let's go up next to Nick. Nick, what's going on? What's going on, guys? It feels good hey, to talk to you at 1039 on a Sunday. Mm-hmm. I, know, I think I agree. I think the length of the show kind of helped. It, it did feel like a, a, a huge sort of story-focused sprint at points. And, and to me, it, it felt like a good example of why the order of a show is super important. Because I would have opened with you know the Raw Chamber match because that had a lot of brawling. It felt very intense. And then, you know, you have the the big spot with Drew and the Claymore with AJ coming off the top rope. And then you do, at the end of the show, you have, you know, the Daniel Bryan epic of him going to the chamber. And you end with the visual of Edge standing on top of Roman Reigns. But you would have had the cash-in first match on the show? I think so. I think just the visual of Edge standing over Roman to close the show with the pyro going off, that felt like a moment that you could take into next week. Because I'm not super (laughs) excited about... Miz opening up Raw tomorrow with you know a standard Miz promo and if I was if I was the Hurt Business I would turn on him and stab him in the back immediately like I would have Lashley take that title off of him tomorrow. Well, how do you even get the title shot? You know, like you. I think it's what 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 John was saying. You know, he MVP orchestrated the agreement between you know him and Miz that you know if you do this if 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 we help you we can uh, get a title shot down the line but down the line just happens to be tomorrow night on Raw. And so they've stabbed him in the back. Sure. Any other thoughts, Nick, on the show? Yeah, I am I was into Reginald at first, but now I think he's getting into James Ellsworth territory. I don't really want him anywhere near a WrestleMania program, especially when you have four really talented, or 
yeah, you have four really talented wrestler or female wrestlers in the ring. And I feel like he's just kind of undermining the work that they're trying to put in at this period of the year. It felt very much like a, like, an, like he's kind of overstepping his bounds a little bit. I wasn't super a fan of that. Thank you very much, Nick. Appreciate the call. Yeah. Um, I don't really know what the play is with Reginald. I mean, are they building to another match involving him? Um, how are they ultimately going to use him to, you know, heat up Bel Air versus Sasha, which I think most people already assume to be the match. Yeah. I think you are, you know, you do have seven weeks. So I, I think that this is Banks and Bel Air. You're going to keep them on the same page for now. And Reginald is, yeah. Whether it brings Carmella back into the mix I don't know. Like I I'm, I'm with Nick. I think like it's quite a reliance at the moment on, on Reginald. And I, I didn't think tonight it was a positive, uh, but you know, you do have some time to get to this match. Like you don't want to, you can't, you can't announce the card today and just expect everything to peak in, in seven weeks. You do have to uh, give some leeway just to waiting for the story to progress. And sometimes you do need these detours, but I think you do run the risk of kind of being overly reliant on this Reginald character that is not necessarily uh, propping up people's interest for the match at hand. Up next, let's go to Mark. Mark, what's up? Hey guys, thanks so much for uh, doing this. It's amazing. It's it's not even eleven. This is like the the best. Uh, less is more. Um, I, I, two things. One, I wanted to chat about and maybe defend the Miz. Uh, not not I, I need to with you guys, but. I, I've gone to a lot of live events and I got to tell you the Miz, he puts it out there every live event. And I think there's something to be said for that grinding piece. I know he's not the best wrestler in the world, but he's a hell of a promo. He does amazing stuff uh, when it comes to uh, even a house shows, get, getting the crowd incited. Often those matches are the ones that are the most uh, vocal from, from the people watching. And he's, you know, he's just, he's, he's actually had a hell of a career in, in, in a lot of ways. So I guess my question though about it is, do you think they're maybe he's the champ right now when they go to Peacock because there's a pressure from NBC because he is he is a guy who's been around for a long period of time and and has crossover success that not a lot of other folks on the on the roster have. And then I got one more question after after that, if that's okay. I think Miz is fine for like his role. I think that it's I think there's there's a difference between a guy that can get a, a strong like he's. Like he's he's largely like a heel that much like King Corbin, there's a role for like as as a mid card upper mid card heel. I think I think he's fine. Um, he wouldn't be my guy that I'm building everything around. But this is also not the era where you have to necessarily make sure that your champion is, um, you know, the status where you're reliant on it and it and it matters to your business. It actually matters less now than ever uh, who you put the championship on. So it gives you leeway. It really, it really comes down to what is the most effective storytelling tool. And I think with Miz, all the positives you can have on him, I don't think the title enhances it at all. And to the Peacock thing, I, I don't think they're thinking in that kind of direction at all. Like, I think this is max a four week title reign and, and then you flip it on because I think everyone sees Lashley and, and Drew as like the big match for WrestleMania to go with. And the Miz is the Miz is going to get the same kind of attention with or without the title. Like I, I don't think that really has a big matter to it. And Miz is going to have a significant spot at WrestleMania. Like his like if you're part of this Bad Bunny match, like that will be one of the featured matches of the two nights. Well, every every time Miz has had a featured spot at Mania, he's he's actually done pretty well with it. So I wouldn't be surprised. But uh, my my other thing is on SmackDown, there's a real glut of guys who could be main eventers. 
who don't have a, a spot at Mania. Do we are we seeing a are we seeing a maybe a, a some sort of a gimmick match, a fatal four way with the the Owenses, the Bryans, the Nakamuras, and the the Cesaros uh, to do something with them that'll you know shine the wrestling spotlight, but maybe a number one contender for you know Edge or Roman after is that is you know I, I could see an appeal there, especially if there's going to be fans in the audience. That mid card, like or I guess upper, you know, uh, main. A uh, uh, low mid card uh, that we saw tonight in that chamber match on SmackDown is so strong, and you throw in somebody like a Rey Mysterio, even a Dominic in there, Big E, um, Big e you know, you have the makings of like like a, a great kind of like nucleus of SmackDown for you to carry like so many great you know TV shows uh, and, and even a really great series of I think mid card matches that you could put on either night of Mania. But let's remember that Mania is two nights, so. Um, I think you can separate a lot of those feuds into individual ones. They have kind of like pretty hot pieces in, you know, Cesaro's going to have his match, but like Nakamura, I hope does, doesn't just, you know, get forgotten about. Um, but at the same time, if you were telling me like you put those like, you know, five, four, six guys into a ladder match at WrestleMania for some sort of mid-card title, I'm definitely there for it. But you could definitely do more than just that. I think that's really deflating if it's in a situation where they're all fighting for a mid-card t- Like, all those names you just mentioned, it's just, to me, I don't know. It just feels like an uncreative option, given um, wh- where they're at in their careers. And this is just... I'm never a big fan as much as, like, the match will be great. But it's just the idea of taking six guys that we really don't have much for. So we're just going to throw them in, and they'll have their great 20 minutes, and then they're all in the same place afterwards. I would much rather, okay, of those six, who are two or three that we really want to have big plans for after Mania and have something sizable going in? Uh, You can certainly do something where it's a number one contender coming out of it. Um, To Way's point, it's you are trying to divide it over two nights and I, I would hope for like your Owens level, especially for a big E, like I hope they have something substantial rather than just the match where it's just making sure everyone's accounted for and on the card. Yeah. It just, it just feels like this used to be the spot for money in the bank at mania. And uh, they still always have the glut of those guys, but they don't have the money in the bank anymore, but I'm going to let you go. I, I'm the amuse bouche before Brandon gets on. So we'll, we'll talk later. Thank you, Mark. Thank you, Mark. Let's go to uh, Brandon from New Jersey. Hey, what's up? Can you hear me? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, cool. Uh, Yeah. I was just curious. I was just curious. Like, uh, what do they do with those structures? Like, after the the shows? Did they give them to Habitat for Humanity for uh, for low-income communities? What's that? I don't don't know what they do, uh, Brandon. I imagine they recycle them. It's a lot of metal. Um, (laughs) What do you... like? I see a lot of consternation with uh, Bad Buddy. Uh, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't understand. The guy is like, it wouldn't shock me if he has the the title. He Arquette's, uh, he gets David Arquette like and gets the belt at Mania, wouldn't right? No, they're not oh, going to do man. that. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I I think it's been pretty positively received. Like I I haven't sent so much. Uh, pushback on this uh i think if you were to do something like that you you would develop that pushback again you don't need to be doing that with him uh but i i think i think honestly like this has been one of the uh better scenarios that wwe has kind of grabbed hold of with a celebrity that can get them real attention and you know the proof will be in the lead up to mania if that attracts a lot of 
new people that are curious to see what what he does with with WWE. But I think overall, it's been like we're a month into this experiment. I think it's gone fairly well so far. Absolutely. Has there been any buzz about like his involvement in wrestling to a non wrestling audience, but like a bad bunny fan base? Uh, my my dad bought that shirt in shop zone, so he's a sixty nine year old man. So, I mean, wow, he sold <laughs> a ton of merchandise. Like that was like the first sign of this being a big success. Was that initial, um, you know, note that they had about the amount of merchandise he sold? So there are there are a lot of people out there like Brandon's father. <laughs> and one more thing, uh, what did you think of the guy uppercut last day? Uh, I I thought it was. Uh... The most timely uppercut I've I've ever seen. It was, I felt bad for uh for uh what's we call last night. Curtis Blades. Curtis you, Blades, yeah. You, uh, quite the uh, descriptive analysis there. What did you guys <laughs> think of the uppercut? Uh, yeah. So this was the the heavyweight fight last night where Curtis Blades was doing very well in this fight, like handedly won the first round, and Derek Lewis was just being patient. And as Curtis Blades shot in, boom. Short right uppercut and Curtis Blades was out and he was out for several minutes. They were not shooting him. And you just heard the announcers. uh, He's out. And then moments later, he is still out. Uh, Eventually he regained consciousness, but this was Derek Lewis's fourth win in a row, which I don't know where that necessarily places him in the heavyweight division because you have the Stipe Miocic and Francis Ngannou fight coming up at the end of March. And then you have John Jones in the, waiting in the wings. So I don't know if this puts Derek Lewis anywhere closer other than he's probably going to have to fight a another top heavyweight at some point this year, because, but we're, we're not that far away. Like if he won another fight, um, the idea of Derek Lewis fighting again for the heavyweight title is not that far fetched. Would you feed him John Jones? I don't, I don't think John Jones would. I, I think John Jones, um, like personally, I think that'd be a great fight to introduce John Jones at heavyweight. I don't know if John Jones would be, I I think it comes down really to, okay, if you put John Jones in a non-title fight, um, what does that mean for John Jones financially? Um, As opposed to a title fight where you know what that means. So I, I would be all for that fight. I personally think that John Jones just coming up, the novelty of him fighting at heavyweight alone is interesting enough that could headline a pay-per-view, but that's not really the UFC's MO to headline a card without a title at stake that my impression or my assumption is that he'll be fighting for the title. And Dana White has said as much. It just seems like it comes down to John Jones agreeing to fight. The title fight is there for him to fight the winner of Miocic and Nganu. Okay, thanks, guys. Uh, Tom Aspinall is awesome also. Don't forget about that guy. He looked really good last night. I'm out of here. Peace. All right. Thank you very much, Brandon. Thanks, he Brandon. Defeated Andre Arlovsky on Saturday. Let's go to Brett up next. Brett, you're on the air. Brett. Oh, Brett is gone. Oh, couldn't he couldn't outlast Brandon. He might have hit the wrong button. That's okay. okay, well, Brett, if you're there, just let us know. Let's continue with some of the feedback on the forum who says... Uh, we got Steven here who says obvious choice to obvious choice with Lashley versus Drew for WrestleMania. Main question to be answered now is if Drew is chasing into WrestleMania with Lashley winning at Fastlane or if Drew just wins it back. 
I feel they would have to put the title on Bobby at some point or his protected status is kind of wasted. I don't see you doing any of this stuff unless you save it up for Drew's big moment at WrestleMania. Yeah, and Bobby losing at WrestleMania. Like, that's, like, a guy who's been very, very well protected. And, and yeah, the idea that Drew won the title last year without a crowd and this year he can win the title in front of all those fans. So... I, I, I like the direction. Like, this is not a year where you had, um, you know, Edge coming back was the big title challenger. And, you know, Lashley, like, all the signs were there. Like, that's a guy, like, it's not to anyone's surprise. It's just that, you know, you have to, I, I think it does require some work to to build this up. The other option was Goldberg. And I think seeing the result of that match, I, I just don't think they could have relied on, you know, a, a substantial enough match for a wrestlemania nor even really a build joe writes uh elimination chamber was a solid seven cash-ins out of ten both chamber matches were outstanding and the undercard was solid with the surprise of riddle winning the u.s title who do you guys see being champion longer miz or riddle my vote goes to riddle as i feel miz is just keeping the belt warm so drew can have a championship win in front of live fans at wrestlemania i do not believe we're going to get drew and miz at wrestlemania but i would say yes riddle will likely keep the title longer Let's go to Kate, who says the two Elimination Chamber matches end with the babyface winner immediately getting beaten down by the heel and pinned made the whole show feel a little strange. It was like it started to repeat itself before it was over. The SmackDown Chamber match was the high point, and I thought the fatal the four-way on the kickoff was really solid, even though it was clearly, clearly the match to determine who was taking the pin for the U.S. title. Not having a women's singles match hurt the show, in my opinion, although I wasn't sorry to lose Asuka versus Lacey Evans. Asuka desperately needs a good feud. She hasn't had one in her entire title reign. Do you think that the ending to the U.S. title match was going to be any different if Keith Lee had been in it? No. D- different match that you put together, but I think still same outcome. Ma- ma- yeah. Like, maybe they would have put the title on Keith Lee instead of Riddle. I mean, if that's the question, I could have seen that. I could have seen them going with Keith Lee instead of Riddle. But Who knows? The, pro- the, the idea was get the title off Lashley in a three-way. James, solid show tonight. Good pacing to start uh, start and end with the best matches. I thought AJ Styles looked like an idiot trying to enter the match sooner. Didn't like the women's tag team match. Thought it was sloppy and shouldn't have been booked in the first place. I know there will be complaints about Miz winning because he's booked as a comedy character, but I liked inverting expectations and having him get the win. I also like him as a person, so I could be biased and happy he got this moment. Seven out of ten. We I don't think there's been that much. Uh, I don't know. I haven't looked online. I'm sure there's uh, examples of both, but I don't know. It's just I think people see what the the long term picture is, and it's they're fine with it. I think a lot of people just see the Miz winning or the Miz beating what is it uh, Drew McIntyre in like 30 seconds, and they just kind of make fun of that result. So yeah, you can have your opinions either way. Let's go to MJ from NJ who says Miz is a legend amongst my casual friends for his real world shenanigans. They all hit me up immediately tonight. All their girlfriends watch Miz and Mrs. He's going to headline Fastlane and he should be in a main event of WrestleMania on Peacock. This was a smart business move. All time legend. Yeah, he's, uh, you know, this last year has really shown that. Uh, Brian from New York. We came into tonight hoping that the 10 year journey for someone who has been grinding away his entire time and kept away from the championship for far too long would finally get there. And that's what we got. Congratulations to the Miz. So close, Cesaro. 
Still, Reigns is most likely going to be champion far past Mania and will need opponents and the money in the bank was all built around Cesaro. So hopefully that's a sign they're saving up his big match for later. It's hard to trust, but with only Brian and Owen standing in the main event orbit as faces, it still seems likely to come soon. Uh, Let's just stop there. I'll read the rest afterward. But I think it's an interesting discussion point about whether you put the title on edge or not for the exact reason brought up here is that who does Reigns have beyond WrestleMania? Like this has been a company that has really struggled to build up baby faces. And I would say one of the best ones you've had lately is Kevin Owens that you have gone through. And I don't know if you want to revisit it so quickly as right after WrestleMania. Like, I don't think that's a viable option. Daniel Bryan, like uh, I know there's going to be the appeal and I'm sure that if you just, all of a sudden gave Brian a bit of a winning streak and something, it wouldn't, it wouldn't be like moving heaven and earth to get him back up to that position, but you've dramatically cooled him off that, especially after tonight. Um, yeah, you can go with a Cesaro, but to me, I don't know. All of, all of those points are arguments that you could do the story of edge winning the title and then all fresh opponents coming out of mania, uh, including stuff with reigns or, or doing something afterwards, uh, with reigns. I, I don't think it's like a slam dunk that Reigns retains this title beating Edge in April. I don't think so either. I think, um, you know, if this program is hot enough, and I think thus far it already has been, you definitely try to aim to do a rematch. And I think you do the rematch with Edge getting the big moment at Mania, Roman reclaiming it at some point um, later. Um, I still definitely think you have a lot more to do with Roman and this current crop of SmackDown guys. Like, I mean... I I do want to see a more substantial feud between him and Brian. I do. I even want to see a feud between him and Shinsuke. I mean, if they they don't seem to have those plans in store, you're really holding out for Shinsuke, show. dude. I don't I don't know, man. I think that was really a one night thing, and that's it. He's just off the face of the earth again. Well, ever since Cesaro took his place, yeah. But you know, a, a feud between him and Cesaro, I think, would be great. A feud between him and Rey Mysterio and Dominic, I think, would be awesome. So I think there's still a lot of possibilities with this Roman Reigns character that I don't think you've exhausted yet, but I also would discount Edge at least getting a short reign out of it. I think the key is, if you're going that way, if that's the decision now, Reigns is retaining, you've got to be building these baby faces up now. It's like, okay, Ray is now feuding with Chad Gable. If we're going to do a Ray feud, guess what? we we got to start now if we're going to peak this for April or May. Let's go back to Brett, who might be available now. Brett, are you there? Hey, guys. Sorry about that. Hey, Brett. No worries. How you doing? Good. Good. What's up? Not too much. So I just finished watching the show. Uh, I was uh, behind by maybe about an hour and a half. Um, I thought it was, I don't know. I thought it was a fine show, considering it was um, a a three-week build. I think. John, I was pretty bummed that uh, Sasha Banks uh, lost the uh, uh, tag match because I really wanted to see this brand new story where um, two people that are going to end up fighting um, actually are not friends, but they win a tag team championship. And then even though they're not a close tag team, they actually um, find a way to win the title, even though they don't like each other that much. So I was pretty upset that we're not going to get to see that again. Yeah giant opening they had for that unfortunately (laughs) and then um i don't know i guess i just the daniel bryan thing i can't say i'm surprised by that outcome but i guess just he now i think takes the official lead of winning a big match 
followed by somehow getting buried within the next three minutes after winning a big match. I guess just, I'm not entirely sure what the point of that was or where exactly this goes. It, it was uh, heat on reins. I, that was it. Like that was, that was the whole point of that. <laughs> it was just heat on reins. So, I mean, I, at a time a project it, here. Yeah, exactly. Like you could, if this had happened like two and a half, three years ago, uh, you could certainly question where Brian is now. It's like, it's, I had no issue with that. Like reigns and edge is the priority. And in the buildup to WrestleMania, it's like you have your, your money players and you have the people that are helping the money programs and players. And that's Brian's in the latter stage. And, and this is a guy that has his hand in creative. So, I mean, this is as much his direction as it is anyone else's. And I, I mean, follow the buildup to this match. It's like, that's kind of how Brian's been positioned. No, for sure. I get it. I think it just mainly speaks to how, uh, I mean, years of this, right. But since they've gone to the themed pay-per-views, right. And we keep getting the matches without really a justification or reason to have it. It's kind of just, you cheapen the entire gimmick of of an elimination chamber. If the entire buildup of it, I guess is just to build heat on a match for two people that weren't in it. Um, but I mean, once again, I think uh, wrestling fans of WWE over the last six or seven years, I'm pretty much numb to um, any type mm. of kind you're of right. Like I mean, logical in that, in, choice, but yeah, in that sense, I don't think you're wrong. In that you have four singles championships, and no, none of the chamber matches decided a number one contender at WrestleMania for any of them tonight. So uh, compared to like previous chambers where I think you would at least have a men's match and a women's match, one of them determining, you know, your, your SmackDown or raw um, uh, title defense, you really had none. Um, But I will say like, you know, you had a cash in tonight. I think you had the edge with the spear. Like it was not a show that I thought was throwaway. You know, they, they did give you kind of substantial moments. Um, Not every year will you have a cash in saved up until this point to use on a, on a February pay-per-view. Uh, so I feel like I can make an exception this time around. No, uh, for sure. I mean, I think, um, look, it, it seems like if this holds, the main event of, of Mania is heading towards Bad Bunny versus uh, Miz. And, you know, I, I had to make a prediction right now. I'd say that Bad Bad Bunny probably walks out of Mania as the champion. But uh, that seems to be what we're actually building towards. But I mean, I guess, like, in seriousness, I would argue just the the cash in is a big moment but it's the miz and the miz has had absolutely i mean he's literally feuding with like bad bunny and now he's the champion so i i don't know uh i am pretty sure brett that is not going to be your title match (laughs) i don't know guys i mean that's that's a money match so edge reigns Bunny Miz. I mean, that could be. Uh... You, you know who's the biggest? You know who's the biggest money draw for WrestleMania this year, and it's without any dispute, Nick Khan. Okay, he has already drawn two hundred million dollars this year for pay per view. So that that is your money draw for this year. So you can literally put uh, Dominic and Bad Bunny uh, playing cards together at WrestleMania, and that that will uh, pass at this point. Uh, but Listen, for all the discussion, like, 
it's not even like they're putting all their eggs in just this one. <laughs> they're not. I'm, I understand I'm making an eggs in a basket joke with Matt Bad Bunny, but they are attaching Damian Priest to this whole thing as well. So when Bad Bunny is gone on April 12th, the hope is that you have a sizable babyface in Damian Priest uh, coming out of all that publicity as well. So I think that that. That's probably your tag match for WrestleMania, and the hope is that you get a lot of attention from Bad Bunny, and some of that trickles down onto Damian Priest. So I can't really fault the way they're going about things. Thank you very much for the call, Brett, and thank you everybody who called in or left feedback tonight. Uh, again, if you want to tune in live to our pay-per-view, Rewind a Raw, Rewind a Dynamite post shows, you can be a double-double ice cap or a special patron at postwrestlingcafe.com. We go live uh, after every one of those shows. And for all patrons, we go live every Friday for Rewind of SmackDown. Uh, what, what's coming up this week, John? We'll have the full schedule up Monday, but uh, Tuesday is the return of our Rocky reviews. We're going to be reviewing Rocky Balboa from 2006. Uh, my good friend Ed Boxler will be joining Way and Us for that review. He was on the Rocky Ford discussion. So we will now fast forward to 2006 and the resurrection of the Rocky franchise. Uh, also, uh, Patreon stuff coming up this week. We're going to have uh, Rewind to SmackDown for everybody, Rewind Division, and next weekend, Way and I will have a post-show uh, recapping both New Japan Castle Attack events. Uh, they have a show Saturday and Sunday. We'll have a show out Sunday going over both events, uh, including Kota Ibushi and Tetsuya Naito that is on Sunday show at Osaka Joe Hall. Oh, it's going to be a busy weekend, as always. Always a packed one. And the weekend mm -hmm. after that is the AEW pay-per-view. Mm -hmm. And the finale of, 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 of WandaVision. So the, it's the first happening. weekend of March? That's the finale? Yes, it is. I was mistaken. I initially thought it was at the end of February, but it's actually at the uh, the first week of March. So, oh. yeah, there's that. There you go. So two more episodes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, go check out the latest uh, re-WandaVision with yourself, WH Park, and Scrump going through every conceivable outcome on this series, uh, my head was spinning away with all of these like references and characters. This was a uh, this was a this was a deep one. It got really dirty, I have to say. So if you're into that stuff, we talk about the Darkhold, we talk about Nexus, we talk, and not not the Wade Barrett Nexus, but um, the the Marvel Comics Nexus. It's all really interesting stuff to set you up for uh, the final two episodes. All right. Thanks, everyone, for joining us live tonight or downloading the show for free. Postwrestling.com is where you can get all the latest news, and we'll speak with you Monday night with Rewind a Raw live at 1115 Eastern.